How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, do me a favor, click the subscribe button on whatever platform it is that you listen on. Share it with a friend. If you enjoy it, I'm sure they'll enjoy it too. It's the best way to support what we're doing. My guest today is one of the most accomplished Western artists um, who specializes in Native American art for the most part. Um, you've probably heard of him from the Joe Rogan experience. Um, he painted a couple of paintings for Joe and that relationship really launched his career and his story is really incredible. We talked a lot more about it on this podcast episode. Um, he's been a guest prior and uh, it's always so much more interesting after you've gotten to know somebody. Um, I met Greg, geez, over a year and a half ago now um, and had multiple conversations and was lucky enough to have him on the podcast once and reached back out and, you know, thought it was time for round two and he was super excited. So um, always enjoy having conversations with him and a lot of really good stuff. We talked about so much, um, including his process and just, you know, the meaning behind what he's painting and the stories behind the person that he is and um, a lot of other cool stuff. So I, uh, I think you're going to like this one. Give it up for my guest, Greg Overton. But before we enjoy this episode, a real quick shout out from our sponsor of this podcast, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. If you haven't tried Action's Specialty Roast Coffee or Natural Supplements, you need to go to drinkaction.com. That's action with a K. And you need to check out the Specialty Roast Coffee from a dark roast to a light roast and everything in between to the list of specialty natural supplements, things like turmeric and hemp, things like MCTs, things like mushroom blends, and some cool apparel as well. Go to drinkaction.com, use code word curious, you'll save 15% off. If you sign up for a subscription, you'll get fresh coffee and supplements every month, and you'll get an additional 20% off your order. Drinkaction.com, code word curious. Enjoy this episode. that pressure i know those ribs dude it's like you kind of you almost have to not uh relax when somebody's got that side body on you you know what i mean yeah. don't let them put their weight just keep like shrimping up and moving or otherwise you just accept that pressure and then if you you know what i mean if you got any core weakness just pop there it goes and then you got months and months of pain and those ribs are hard to get to go back in place once they've left it's like they don't want to go home again you know what i mean yeah ribs are tough dude like yeah. i think everybody who trains jujitsu is like yeah my ribs fucked up my shoulder my fucking elbow's been popped out a few times it's kind of like that's just part of it you know what i mean but it's oh. so much it's so much fun you always want to go back no matter how fucked up you are <laughs> you know it's a crazy addiction it really is and your point man the perspective it's given me on injury and 
pain and and then how to even translate that into other areas of your life where it's like pushing through shit that you normally would have given up you know much earlier because of the discomfort of what you're going through well i mean that's what's cool about jujitsu and and martial arts in general is like you you attain all these skills right but you eventually are going to have to kind of let let them go they don't really then all those the physical ability is not going to stay with you but the mental ability is going to stay with you so like you're going to take all those jujitsu lessons and and use them for something else in your life i mean jujitsu and thai boxing too i think what it taught me more than anything is like even if you're just getting smashed it, by life or whatever if you can just breathe and hang on because i mean especially if you're training with the gi you know how uncomfortable it gets when when you got that 280 pounder on top of your neon belly, just crushing you, your life out. And it's a mental battle where you're like, oh fuck, if I can just wait for him to get tired and, and get, you know, if he moves off balance, I can get back to a good position. It's like, that's how it is in life, you know? Cause most of the time we're not gonna get in a, like a street fight, a grappling match in real life. Most of the time that stays in the gym, you know, unless you're an MMA fighter or something, but it's like, you can take those lessons and use them uh, with anything. Like life will kick your ass if you submit, if you accept that bad position and stay there and fucking tap out, you know? I mean, that's what's so good about, about martial arts and, and jujitsu in particular is it, it forces you to be real. Like every time you go in and train, you know exactly where you're at in here. Cause it's like, did I actually allow myself to, did I submit myself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or did I really do my best? So you have to look at that. That's why, you know, people who don't ever like wrestle or box or train, it's kind of like, do you really know who you are? I mean, are you, are you afraid to figure that out? Don't you want to know? You know what I mean? It's um, like, it's, it's a valuable thing, man. It's, I think uh, out of everything I've done in my life, that's what's, what saved me the most, what gave me the most and, and what taught me the most about myself and even other people, you know, you just learn so much. Every time you go in, like the lesson isn't about the moves. I mean, it could be any move that you learn, you know, jujitsu schools, like probably most people who train jujitsu, it's like you go in and, and warm up and, and then you learn some moves and you drill those moves and then you roll. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, kind of the way most schools are but it's like the the lesson the moves that that they're teaching you a lot of times you don't even a lot of those moves you don't remember them you don't really make them part of your game you might drill them but unless you really really drill them and then use them and then and then kind of incorporate them you know everybody's got those go-to moves and their game kind of really just stays the same but gets better and the lesson that you're learning in there is like that's what's cool about it because you're you're learning by doing you know so that's why jujitsu is such an amazing art. It just teaches you like so much more about yourself and than most things. I mean, I, you know, did a lot of other like traditional martial arts and everything. And you, you learn a lot from yourself and trying to perfect your form and stuff like that, but you never, you don't get to learn as much uh, unless you're rolling with a live opponent where they're resisting and it's, it's full on like jujitsu, man. What a, what a fucking cool art. What a, the gentle art, really? <laughs> right, yeah. That's it my body. It doesn't fucking feel gentle on my rib right now. But oh, dude, it's it is too, and I think it's it is the fact that you can just tap. That yeah. you you can just very easily give up, and that's to me 
the correlation back to life because to your point like it is just about how hard do you or how how much you want to fight through shit you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. i i think about it now and some of the decisions that i've made and the fortitude i've had in in really tough situations where it's like i know that even a year ago i probably would have bowed out and i would have missed out on such a great opportunity but just because of jujitsu and i mean it, it does it sounds so corny but I mean, I, I honestly give that year of three to four days a week, the discipline of just going because there's a small group of guys, they know when you're not there, they make sure that you know that they know when you're not there. And I also, I mean, a few times where I have had to sit back, I hurt my knee over the summer, my meniscus. And I took probably six weeks off where I went a few times and just sat back and watched just so I was present because I'm still like, to your point, there's a curriculum. So every week you're learning something new, whether it's, you know, how to advance from side control or how you, you know, how to take the back or sinking in the rear naked. And there's a lot of things where just even still being so new to it, I get a benefit by just seeing it. And, and it actually, it kind of was, a, I, I felt like I accelerated my growth because I was taking a step back and watching it from a different perspective. And, uh, but when I got back, a couple of the dudes who I was definitely better than beforehand, I could see the ground that they covered just because of the consistency and going. Right. And so it just reaffirmed that to me, whether it's jujitsu or whether it's this podcast, whether it's, you know, any, anything else that I'm doing in life, family, it is truly just about gritting it out. And, you know, I don't have the luxury of being much of a talented person in a whole lot of different things. I've just always been someone to kind of persevere, but um, yeah, man, martial arts are, are the thing. And I see you're still, I've been watching, you've been running a lot. Yeah, dude, I, I ride my bike. Uh, like I, I used to go on these 20 mile bike rides. I'm always just trying to do whatever I can. I always have some fucking injury that's, you know, I'm trying to get back in shape and heal my ribs. So I can go train jujitsu and not, just get destroyed. And if I go in there and get the rib injured again, then I have to take more time off. So I was doing the bike thing and I was uh, out riding one day and a, a motorcyclist was coming right at me and kind of forced me off the road. And I crashed and fucked up my hand, oh. like just thrashed my, my uh, thumb and my wrist really bad. So I was like, well, what can I do now? I'm going to uh, start running on the treadmill. So I just decided I'm going to run on the treadmill. So I've been doing that every day. Uh, my hands just about healed, but I also had to learn to paint with the left hand because my right hand is getting really tired. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, there was this dude that I used to train with who's uh, an amazing jujitsu practitioner, John Carlquist. They call him one eye because he like he he got head butted, I think, in the face and he would still train when he had one eye and he broke his arm. He'd still train when he had one arm. And he's, he's just a badass. He, he runs uh, unified jiu-jitsu here in town. Like he's, he had a match against Solo and he's fought on the tournament. Wow. He, he, uh, we both trained with the same Kung Fu master a long time ago. We used to like just hang out and drink a lot. And I was talking to him. He's like, dude, just come to one jiu-jitsu class. You're going to love it. And he's like, okay, what, what's jiu-jitsu? I'm like, dude, just come show up. And we were training with uh, Pedro Sauer at the time. And he showed up and just just took over, dude. The guy's just, he's a maniac. He's so fucking good. So, I mean, that guy, like, talking about somebody who has mental strength, you know, their mental game. Like, when you're injured, 
you can you can sit back and watch like I was I was watching the like a some interview with Tyson Fury. Did you see that Tyson Fury fight? Oh yeah, dude. And dude, what's so interesting about him is he's had all these like mental health issues and stuff. And he's really open about it. And he's like, you know, I'm training my my mind or my body for my mind so I can stay positive, stay happy. You know what I mean? And that's what I realized in that fight. It was like Deontay Wilder is, is a physical specimen, right? He's got all the physical skills. You would look at him and think this guy is going to win, whatever. But Tyson Fury has the mental game down, you know? And like when I when used to play like, uh, like peewee league football when I was a kid, and there was certain players on my team, like our quarterback and our running back were just mentally on, you know what I mean? And they wouldn't let anybody on the team like slip. If anybody started complaining, the huddle, they'd go, shut the fuck up. We're going to win this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was always like, God, I want to, I want to be more like that. And as a kid, I didn't have that mentality. I was just like, oh, fuck, whatever, win, lose. You know what I mean? I like, I wanted to win, but I wasn't like a, a Michael Jordan, a Wayne Wade, somebody like that. And you see those guys, and it's not that they're physically more gifted. It's just that they're mentally more disciplined. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, that is just everything. That gives you such an edge if you're like, okay, you know, physically tough is one thing. And then physically tough with mentally tough, that's, that's everything. Right there, that's a scary opponent. So that's what, I mean, that's what I try to do, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not the best at it. I'm still putting it all together. I still those days where I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to run. Like I did that today. I, today I was like, I had some buyers coming over. I'm working on designs all morning. I'm doing the NFT shit. And then I'm like, fuck, I just want to like eat some sushi and chill out and whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, fuck that. I have to go run or I'm just not going to, I'm not going to feel like myself. I'm not going to be sharp, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like whatever, uh, you know, Mark Schultz is the, yeah, the, wrestler. the Olympic, Olympic wrestler. He won the UFC. Yep. My uh, first jujitsu teacher, Walt Bayless, who was just one of the toughest dudes to ever walk the earth. You guys have, don't know who Walt Bayless is. Just uh, look up some of his videos on YouTube. He's a, just a killer, man. He was teaching us like Russian Sambo stuff in the, in the nineties. Dude was just a fucking gangster dude. He could kill anybody, but he was like, just such a like a gentle giant you know what i mean and he, he taught us so much about just how to how to bring the whole game together and and just just be like really on the path i'm really re so grateful to have trained with that guy man really a that's just a so bad awesome. yeah a lot of good jujitsu people out there man just too many too many to even mention you know i'm just grateful to have trained with a few of them uh, every, almost all of them are better than me so. Yeah, that's all right. That's like that's, that's a good place to be at because like if you're a student and you're constantly a student, that's actually the best time. Yeah. You know, when you have a lot to look forward to and you can kind of like really visualize where you want to go. I mean, it's being in a, a state of becoming is is really cool. It's like once you attain all that shit, it's like, oh fuck, what now? Does all that activity that you do does that help? with the creative process for you? I mean, are, are you ever out there riding the bike kind of thinking about, you know, concepts or ideas that you have? Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's all so intertwined, dude. The world's such a weird fucking place. It's like, you never know where you're going to see that next idea from like some bird could fly by, or you could see some person that 
that just looks really cool or, or something. You never know where those ideas are going to come from. You just have to kind of be open to it, man. I think like my whole philosophy is like body, mind, and spirit. Right. And if you're, if you're exercising your mind, like first thing I do in the morning is, is read, I'll read, go outside and hang out with my dog and, and just read. Right. So I'm exercising my, my mind doing that. And then I'll run. So I'm exercising my body doing that. And then I'll meditate. So I'm exercising my spirit doing that. And that's all three parts of me. And I feel like, you know what, if I put all those in place, I can fucking do whatever uh, is, is like a challenge to me. It's, it's nothing. As long as you're kind of taking all the pieces of yourself and putting them together and going in one direction, then you're, you're whole and like nothing can stop you, man. That's what being a human is all about and like in my art i always put an animal into it a human and like a bird a feather right and so they all represent something they all represent part of that that three-dimensional being right because animals are on like kind of a i don't want to say a lower level but just a different level more instinctual level where they don't suffer from this fucking disease called the ego right and so like even when I'm when I'm running or or going for a long bike ride, there's a part of me that's like, ah, oh, fuck, why are you doing this? So just let's just go for a five mile ride today, or let's just run one mile. That's enough. Ah, come on, no, motherfucker, get over here. I'm trying to make you stronger. Come with us. And eventually, I'll tap that motherfucker out. My my mind that wants to just be lazy and be like, okay, fuck. I'm like, this is for you. This is for you. Come on over here with us. We're trying to make everybody better here, you know, and then I put all that shit together. And then that's when those cool ideas are going to come to you. Cause then you're like, okay, you're not just thinking of ideas. You know what I mean? You're not just getting impressions of ideas, but you're like channeling ideas and then executing ideas and using all the different aspects of yourself to like, to really materialize something and then share it with people. Cause everybody is, everybody's me but just in in like a different form you know what i mean we're all so connected and then that's what uh like if somebody sees your art and they like it it's because they're like relating to you on this deep level you know what i mean and then i'm getting to tell them a story without words and that's why i've always liked to do art because i'm like man i want to tell you something that i can't put into words right and sometimes people be like, fucking explain what's the story behind this. I'm like, you tell me, you know, you tell me the story. I already told you my part. My part's just visual. I want to hear your part. What do you think it is? What is this to you? I'm interested in that. If I wanted to fucking write a book, I would have wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had anybody come to you with like the meaning that's kind of blown you away or kind of changed the perspective after the fact? Like you paint it with this kind of inspiration or a vision in mind. And then somebody like kind of afterwards is like, Hey, here's what it means to me. And then it's like hard to ever even think about it differently. Dude. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, being on, on Instagram and stuff and having access to so many people and shipping them prints. Like I get some stories that fucking make me tear up, dude. Like people that have lost relatives and then like their, their kid is, is redrawing my art to remember their dead grandma and shit and then that kid's inspired to be an artist i'm like fuck wow you know and it, it's like 
it's humbling and and really I don't even know the words man it's like it's really like it's touching it's eye-opening it's it's like it's a privilege to be able to you know because like you're a musician you know how certain songs they just they bring you through tough times and they empower you and they do all these these amazing things right and as an artist you like your audience is out there somewhere else you don't ever get to see the effect that it has on them and when i used to play in a band i fucking loved it so much because you, you'd fucking see the reaction right there you know what i mean you could you react with you can feel the it. crowd yeah and then they talk to you after by your drink oh fuck i love your band it's like that's the real joy of it is sharing it it's like practicing and even being in a studio fucking that's boring compared to playing a live show you know what i mean so it, it used to be like i would go do shows in santa fe and i get to talk to a few people like rich people who could afford the originals and and you know people like that they're a little bit more like to themselves they watch what they say they're not going to cuss they're not going to really like get drunk with you and, and really tell, fuck i love this art dude all this shit but like people on Instagram, they don't hold anything back and they're messaging you really from their heart going, hey, you really affected me. I fucking love this. And so it's it's rad because I get to like really connect with the audience and it's is fucking is cool because it's it's gratifying. And I'm like, All right, cool. I got to share like my soul with people, you know, it's it's awesome. Man. It's been a fucking crazy last year and a half almost two years now since all this shit started really going off it's like it's fucking cool i get more and more into it every day you know <laughs> i was gonna ask you that because like first time you and i connected it it was fairly fresh i mean i guess it still is but you know we, your perspective on it was really cool and i know that you're big on like affirmations and the story you told me about how you you know, this, this whole kind of thing manifested. I, I, I tell that to people all the time. I'm like, you don't understand the power of thought and the power of putting your ideas out into the ethersphere, you know, and, uh, and, and exactly the ethersphere. Like, I like that. I've never heard that before. That's like right on though. It is. That's right on dude. And I mean, I, like I was, somebody was over here, uh, a buyer came in from Montana and I was showing him some stuff which I love. I love to have people come over and check out the art and like talk to them. They hung out for a couple hours and I was telling them that story, how, uh, you know, I just finished up with this big show that was a big deal to me. And I, you know, I visualized that for 10 years showing with this gallery, uh, Trailside Gallery, which they had, they're the top gallery in Western art and they had refused me for years. And I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm fucking going to do this. And they finally, I got a hold of the owner and I did the show. I put off snowboarding the whole winter, which is ridiculous for me because that's like the thing I love the most in life. And so I like, I didn't go snowboarding. I finished up with the show and I went one day and in the morning I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast while I was getting ready to go. And I was, I was visualizing my art on his studio walls, just going, why not me? Why not me? You know, somebody has to win the fucking lottery. Why not me? And so I visualized it. I, I went snowboarding, kind of let go of the idea and just went and like followed my bliss and then came home. And my girlfriend at the time was running my social media because I just didn't really fuck with it that much. And she she comes upstairs. She's like, Greg, Greg, the uh, Joe Rogan just posted your fucking art. 
And I'm like, what? Are you serious? And she's like, you don't even know what a big deal this is. I couldn't even kind of wrap my head around it, but it had happened that day. And, uh, you know, I'm getting phone calls because I have my, my phone number was still up on my website. I'm getting phone calls from people all over the world. You're very good. And I'm like, yeah, who the fuck is this? Why are you calling me? Dude, I've seen your own road. You know, and I'm just like, I better get my fucking phone number <laughs> off the internet and start a print business. So I've been kind of like planning to start a print business for years, but didn't know what form it was going to take. And I just, I got it going and, and just started rocking the prints and, and just been going crazy ever since. And I like uh, messaged Joe Rogan on Instagram saying, dude, thanks. And uh, really appreciate that. And he's, dude, he's so cool. Uh, he you know, sends me his phone number. He's like, dude, text me. Let's talk about a painting. And we went back and forth, came up with this idea about a painting did that. I mean, I stayed up for like three days just fucking doing this painting because I was going to get Joe Rogan his fucking painting, right? And so I finished that and kept selling prints. He hung it in his studio, took pictures, posted it again. Business growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, dude, I got to do a thank you painting for him. And he's like, okay, well, let's come up with this other idea. And so he really like, I mean, he kind of helped me uh, come up with the ideas for the Soul Catcher, which is the second painting I did for him. And so I sent that down to him and uh, God, even more shit's happened since then. Like I, I was up working at this gallery in Park City and just texted him again. said, dude, thanks. And it's killer. Everything you've done. He's like, I'm actually in Park City right now. We're going to stop by the gallery. So fucking stops by the gallery, got to meet like his wife, his kids. And, and they checked out all the paintings. He's just cool as hell. And then came back in town again and was doing a comedy show. I was like, dude, that's cool. You're in town. He's like, fucking come down to the show, dude. I'll get you tickets. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go down to the show. I checked out the show, texted him after the show. Awesome show, dude. Thanks. Fucking calls me up. Dude, come back and hang out and drink. So I flipped the car around and go back to the, to the bar and hung out with him and Tony Hedgecliffe for like three or four hours, just putting away shots of tequila and whiskey and hung over as fuck the next day. But like those guys are so funny and so cool to hang out with, man. Just like, and he had actually uh, like had uh, Walt Bayless's videotapes. Like when he was first getting into jujitsu, who was my first teacher. So he's had all this, you know, stuff to talk about. He's just the coolest motherfucker, dude. Just right down to earth, just like a total regular dude for as, as famous and everything as he is. He's just the most humble dude, completely like authentic as fuck. Really cool dude. And I'm just, dude, I'm so grateful for, you know, for what he did for my career. And like, I'm, I try to like pay it forward and do all kinds of, you know, benefits and, and fundraisers and helping other artists now. Cause I want to, you know, as, as somebody helped me, I want to reach down and help other people reach out. I don't mean reach down, that's fucked up, but reach out and, and like help other people. Cause that's what it's all about, dude. Cause everybody's, you know, I believe like, everybody's got a gift everybody's got something to share it's just like wake up wake up sleeping giant come on like you got everybody has so many talents and so much shit to share it's just like fucking people are people are awesome it sounds cheesy but they are oh dude it's a beautiful story i mean i it blows my mind because <clears throat> i've been such a fan of his and I remember distinctly when he started talking about your art. I mean, it's, that's how I came across you. I, you know, I owe the, the, you know, handful of conversations that you and I've been able to have to him and I don't even know the guy. So, you know, thanks. Dude, Joe. <laughs> I know it's such a fucking trip. Like if I'm watching the podcast and 
he's like, this this guy Greg Overton, and I buy his art. I'm like, oh, that's me. Holy shit. Whoa, he's talking about me. It's still like, you know, kind of got to pinch yourself like, fuck, is this real, dude? Wow. You know? You've handled it well. Yeah, I mean, that's, dude, that's what I love. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I was a real fuck up. I was a little punk and horrible little drug dealing criminal motherfucker when I was a kid and ended up just, you know, my, my parents and, you know, I don't blame them at all, but they just said, you can go, <laughs> you know, when I was like 17, they're just like, bye with your shit. Cause I was, a, I was a little shit, man. And so I ended up kind of uh, living on the street and living with a bunch of runaways, this place called the hell house. And, you know, I was just, you know, we were just, we were begging money to try to buy a Big Mac and, and trying to get drugs to sell and, and just doing, you know, ripping people off wherever we could. And, and there was this one dude who, who hung out with us and he still like had a family, lived with his parents and had us like a 7-Eleven gas card. So he'd buy us food once in a while. And, you know, there's a few people who hung out who would like kind of help us to eat. And, you know, this friend of mine was like, dude, you're going to fucking die if you stay here. My parents, uh, they have foster kids stay at their house and they've taken in other kids. So maybe you could come and stay with us. I'll ask them. I was like, oh, dude, that'd be awesome. I get to, you know, eat dinner and fucking sleep in a bed. And so, you know, he helped me out. And then I, I kind of cleaned my act up and got a job and wasn't such a fuck up. And my parents let me come stay with them again. And my dad was like going to try to sell. He's an insurance salesman. He's trying to sell insurance to this like karate teacher. And I always wanted to paint murals and shit for a living. He's like, why don't you come out to this karate school? This guy says he might want you to do a mural out there. And so I met this karate teacher, this dude named Bill Smith. And, and I always loved Kung Fu and stuff. You know, that show Kung Fu. Uh, with David Carradine. I always wanted to learn Shaolin and everything. But there was no one around that taught it. And he was like, you know, I want to start a traditional Kung Fu class. And so you can paint this mural. And if you'll come out here at 7 in the morning, uh, I'll teach you Kung Fu. And I think he was doing that because he wanted to see if I'd actually show up early as fuck. But I showed up and trained Kung Fu and got really into it, learned that uh, Southern Shaolin. Did that for about three years. And, he, you know, eventually he said, you know, you're going to uh, be a teacher at this school. I'm going to teach you Kenpo Karate and, and you're going to work out here. And so it was like the karate kid thing, you know, at Moa's Lawn and, and build like, uh, like, like uh, planters beds with the railroad ties and scrub the mats and the floors and the toilets and the whole nine and just worked out there and taught the kids classes and just clean my act up man and then like a few years after that I, I met a Chinese master who was a northern style master a Chinese guy master Lu here in town and he taught me for about three years I fucked up my knees and had all these surgeries and and couldn't really train the Kung Fu, the acrobatic jumping and kicking anymore, but I still want to do martial arts. And my friend Johnny was like, dude, come train jujitsu. I'm like, okay. And then got to train with Walt Bayless, man. So martial arts just really fucking turned my life around and turned me from just, I mean, dude, everybody was just like, dude, you're going to be dead. You're going to be in prison. I mean, I was a fuck up. You know what I mean? Uh, so I believe like, dude, if I did it, anybody can fucking do it because I was, I was like, you know, I was a fucking loser, dude. I was like going nowhere and I didn't care. And I was, you know, like I was a criminal. I was suicidal. I was self-destructive. I just didn't give a fuck when I was a kid. I didn't give a fuck about myself or, or anybody else. 
And so I know that like if I could find a teacher and turn that around and then I start reading a lot about just uh, affirmations and everything and I fucking knew I'm going to be an artist, man. I'm going to be like the best Western artist in the fucking world. Like I knew that when I was in my 20s and everyone, what are you talking about? You're not that good. No, watch me, motherfucker. I'm going to be the best. And I don't, you know, I don't believe this is bragging, but man, I've, I've done it. I feel like I'm the, I'm the best at what I do. Just like Wolverine says, <laughs> you know, and anybody can do it. I'm not saying I'm above anybody. Like everybody has this ability. It's just, you know, don't let people crush your mind. Don't let them crush your, your heart. You know, there's just been a few people in my life that have helped me. And, and now I feel like, well, fuck, maybe I could be that to other people. Maybe. And I don't know who it could be. It could just be anybody that I say something nice to somebody on the street. So like these days on my bike rides, man, I go out looking for, for down and out homeless people who feel alone. And I go up to them and I talk to them and, you know, I say, like, I really like that show. Uh, my name is Earl. How he, he like, he's a fuck up. He tries to clear up his karma. That's what I do. That's exactly what I do. Cause like, believe me, when I was a, uh, a kid, like I, I didn't give a fuck who I hurt and I hurt a lot of people, you know what I mean? And so I go around trying to clean that up now. And so like the other day I was riding along and I saw this couple at a Seven Eleven, and I could just see what they're going through. Cause I've been there and I was riding away from them. I fucking turned around and, and came back and I talked to him. I was like, Hey, what's up with you guys? And he's like, Oh, nothing, man. It's just life sucks. And we're just fucking hating it. And I'm like, well, you know, you guys, uh, have you seen that show? My name is Earl. And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, my name is Greg. And I, I gave him a hundred bucks. It's like, go get some beers, man. Go get some fucking food. And, and, you know, I told him like, you know, I was homeless when I was a kid and you guys, I'm doing good now and you can turn it around. Just fucking leave. Come on. And you never know. I mean, they might've bought a whole bunch of beer and some fucking crack with that, but I don't care. It's like, they probably had a little bit better of a day and they smiled and felt that love for a minute. And that's, you know what I mean? Caught, we get too caught up in the, like, what somebody's doing with what you gave them, but mm -hmm. it, it's not Who even cares? about that. It's not about the, whether you gave them a hundred, a thousand, you know, a dollar. It's the, I think the bigger thing is that you stopped and you showed them that you fucking cared and yeah, that, you, that gave them respect. Me, you can't put a dollar amount on that. And that, yeah. you know, so what go buy your beer because you should, you should enjoy yourself right now and you should care about yourself and you should know that, Hey man, there's a, there's a brighter side to this, you know? Dude. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, I still remember the days when, I mean, we'd ride the bus around to stay warm. We ate fucking dog food, man. You know what I mean? I still remember what that shit tastes like. And I remember being in the parking lot of a, of a McDonald's just trying to get enough coins to buy a, a 99 cent Big Mac. Right. And if somebody would come up to you and give you a fucking dollar bill, it was like just God himself came down and, and, you know, gave you sunshine on a cold day and somebody gave a shit about you and then you got to eat. You know what I mean? And you'd go in there like we'd buy a Big Mac and split it between three people. And we're like, oh, it's the best fucking Big Mac you ever had because you had nothing. You know what I mean? So if you can and everybody can do this, like there's always somebody who thinks. Like, fuck, I'm alone. Nobody gives a shit. All you got to do is make a phone call and be like, hey, I'm checking up on you. How are you doing? And that that's going to brighten somebody's like their whole life, their whole day. And and maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe that could 
like stop them from killing themselves. You never know where somebody's at, like mentally, you know, like we all have a lot more power than we think we do in, in every way. You know what I mean? You can do more for yourself that. than you think. And you can, like, if you share the, like the happiness and the love you have with people who don't have any, like it, it fucking means everything to them, you know? Well, it's all they need is just a little kickstart sometimes, you know? And mm-hmm. when you're constant, when you feel like shit and every, every way you turn, you kind of get stiff armed. That shit gets, you know, you, it's easy when you, th- when things are going good for you to tell somebody to, you know, pick, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. But, but I don't have any fucking boots. <laughs> I got bare feet, motherfucker. I don't have no boots. Come on. You know, and if you haven't been there, you just don't know. So you can't like, man, you can't judge anybody on, on any level. You just have to go like, everybody's kind of where they're at. Cause that's where they're at. But you know, share whatever you can with them because that could be you. You know, dude, it's the story of this whole podcast. I mean, the perspective that I've been able to gain and the people I've been able to talk to, it's given me this whole new understanding and I'm, I've changed my view and I wasn't, I didn't think that people couldn't change. I didn't think that redemption wasn't something that should be given, but I certainly had a high bar for people. Once, once you kind of fucked up, I, I don't know. I just was, I closed myself off a lot of times, probably just a defense mechanism for myself that then kind of is spread outward. Right. But I mean, just recently the episode before having you on, um, or it'd be two episodes. Dude, it was in prison. Yeah. I was checking yeah, it out. Yeah. Lester <laughs> young, man. It's like, I, I was blown away talking with that guy, you know, and just his story of, of overcoming what he was and his, and the honesty that he had about like, I had zero empathy. Because I didn't even know what empathy was. I couldn't have something that I that I didn't know existed, right? And I I've had other people, even dude. I had my dad on. I mean, shit. You guys are how old are you? You just turned fifty, right? Fifty one. Fifty one. Yeah. Um, so you're a few years younger than my pops. My dad's fifty eight, maybe. Um, but he, uh, fuck man, his life growing up was was not pretty either, and. Uh, I mean, he always told me funny, funny stories that like, literally I tell my dad all the time and dude, if I could figure out a way to get him on stage, he's, he is by far the funniest human being I've ever been across. And it's because he's so self-deprecating on the shit that he went through. I had him on this podcast and it's like one of the top three or four most downloaded episodes that I've ever released. And it's because of the stories. I mean, he moved and went to like 13 different schools growing up. And I knew that Uh, he told me about it and stuff. But what I didn't know is that he was on the run because his stepdad was AWOL from the army and then tried to join the Navy and they caught (laughs) on to him. And so (laughs) bailed and they were living in Virginia beach. And then they would like drive to Florida and he would live in a motel with his stepdad and his brother and my grandmother you know, he's like, finally, one day, you know, he got freaking pulled off to federal prison. And it's, I mean, all kinds of crazy shit. And I mean, it doesn't even still keeps going on and on. I mean, it could go on forever. But I think my long winded point, like always, was just, I forget how quickly any of our lives could be different if we just make one or two bad choices. But it doesn't mean that we're fucking condemned forever to be these horrible people. And man, I, 
I should have been a little bit more open-minded, but it, my perspective is so fucking changed because, and it's a hundred percent because of this show, having the opportunity to talk with so many different people like yourself. I mean, I see you, I'm like, man, here's this guy. He's a successful painter. It's fucking obviously, you know, things are going super well for you um, from a professional standpoint. Right. And it's like, it's easy for people on the outside, especially with social media to look at that and not understand like that art comes from somewhere. Yeah. You know, like the, the creativity, the, the passion, the feeling that you put into your art that comes from your background, that comes from your history, your life, you know, the same way that the, the creases in our face are a representation of all of the times that we've lived. It's, it's the same. I, that's what I love about art and yours in particular. It's like you, now that I've gotten a chance to meet you and talk with you a handful of times, I'm like, okay, like I have a different perspective when I look at the the paintings that I have. And I'm like, shit, man, like, I wonder what Greg was thinking about. Like, may, I wonder if this was something that came from an experience that he had that he's told me about, you know, it's just like, it's, it's really cool. And I think people forget about that you know yeah i mean it's weird dude like art if it's good it it speaks in this in this silent language right i mean same thing with songs but that's like in a in a like uh an audio language but it has to have like a real essence to it you know the the business i'm running now i'm doing the nfts i'm doing the prints i'm doing the originals so tell me about NFTs because I, th I think I have like a very basic understanding, but I saw that you posted, uh, was it the wolf hammer? Yep. And I was Dude. like, Oh shit, you're getting into this. So I, I wanted to make sure that I asked you like, how are you tapping into this market? Because it seems like people are like going crazy over NFTs. Well, dude, it's the same thing I did with the prints, okay? And it goes back to, I really love Japanese art. And in the old days of, of Japanese art, it was only for the aristocratic people who, who had enough money to, to like kind of sponsor an artist to buy their expensive materials and everything. But then this technology came along of woodblock printing and they started the ukiyo-e art where they would make woodblock prints for the general populace. Right. And it became this subversive language whereby they would they would kind of challenge authority with the art. I just fucking love that idea. And I've always not really liked that only the richest of the rich could afford my originals because I have to charge a lot to fucking make anything. So only the the really like the elite people, that's who buys my art. Like the, you know, um, like Judge Judy, Zach Brown, Joe Rogan, and and like the lady who owns the Cubs and and you know, Scottish lords and all these rich people are the ones who buy my paintings, right? And I always was kind of like, fuck, I want to share them with everybody. So that's why I love doing the prints. And even those people that like, you're making fucking prints, I'm like, sorry, you don't have, you want to buy them fucking copyright? It's a hundred grand. You know what I mean? But, so otherwise I'm sharing it with the people because I it's not just about you, it's about everybody. I want everybody to share my art. I didn't just create it so one person could fucking hoard it and be like, nobody gets to see the art but me and my friends. It's like, no, fuck that. Everybody, this is for everybody. So NFTs even, even like empowers artists more, right? So if you buy one of my NFTs, not only can you buy it, you can sell it and make money. So it's, it's, it's the most incredible way that's gonna empower artists to make more money than they ever have if you're an artist, get the fuck up today 
and start doing some NFTs. Don't worry about what anybody says about it because it is the shit. You're in like probably a couple of years, man, you're going to need an NFT to go get a discount at, at Starbucks and everybody is going to be doing NFTs, right? So I'll basically like, I'll make a digital version, which is like a, a licensed version. I only do a small amount of them and then I'll charge a, a certain amount and everybody who buys that, they can go and, and resell it and make money off it themselves. I attach royalties to that, I'm kind of going too fast here, right? Wow, and then I'll, and I'll get- this is deep. Dude, it's crazy. And then I'll get 10% off of their sales. So if there's one, if I sell for 800 bucks and somebody else sells it for 78,000 bucks, I get 7,000 off the resale. So every month I get, like I go to sleep, I wake up, I got royalties in the morning, right? And I'll do three drops a week and make whatever I make if I sell all those out and I make sure I keep the prices and the additions low enough and you hype it up on Twitter. And it's all kept track of through the blockchain. So everything is authenticated uh, by, by a blockchain of computers. It's just like Bitcoin is going to kind of change the way that, that we do commerce because it's, it's a different way where it makes banks not so uh, necessary kind of makes them obsolete in a way because the blockchain is what's authenticating your your uh, money, right? So it's it's just the future, dude. It's, it's so fucking cool. And I mean, it's fun because you get to interact with all these people. I do these things called clubhouses where it's like kind of a group interview and then discord where everyone can ask you questions. And it's this whole community where you do collaborations with different artists, dude. Oh, it's cool. fucking it's rad dude it's like a, a cool new technology so if you know if you're an artist and you're listening to this whatever the fuck you do man get into so how NFT. do you get your how do you get your art into the nft like do you just take a a piece that you painted and then that gets scanned into a digital form of mm -hmm. some sort yep and then you you do what's called minting right and then you you uh, and my, my business manager does all this shit for me. I'm not that technical, but. So is, is that wolf hammer that you have, you said that's the key. So is that like, what's, what is the significance of that piece? Okay. It's uh, I just like a few years ago, man, I'm really into Norse mythology. And I just got this like vision in my mind of Mjolnir Thor's hammer. Right. And I just start drawing it out and all these weird symbols. I don't even know where it came from, but I was like fucking Mjolnir. Wow. Okay. I'm uh, just channel this shit. And I just put it away and I decided, no, I'm going to use this for something and I'm going to make a key out of these hammers. So I, it's kind of like the belt system in martial arts. So the lowest level, I created the blue hammer. And with that, you're going to get certain access to certain different things. And, you know, uh, you get on the gold list because it's people are, are, there's only about like 10 to 14 of these NFTs. So a lot of people are trying to get them. Right. And so at the, the blue level, you'll get like a, a T-shirt. I make these T-shirts. You can only get one if you have an NFT. And if you go up to Green Hammer, you have more options, more benefits. And I hook you up with all kinds of different shit. And then if you go up to Red Hammer, then you get even more different shit. So I have this uh, this utility map for each of them where they all get uh, kind of different options and benefits and prizes and giveaways and all kinds of different shit. And then I have the, the bronze level. And the gold level, which you're basically on the gold list, so you can pick and choose any NFT you want. You always get to get one. And then the diamond hammer is the top, top hammer. I'm only making seven of those. And so like when I drop the NFT of Blood Wolf and Soul Catcher, which will be the most popular ones because those are the ones Joe Rogan owns, then you'll for sure be able to get one of those. But you can only guaranteed get one if you have the diamond hammer, right? 
And so I, like, I'll, I'll sell the diamond hammers for a lot more than the blue hammers. So, but everybody will be able to get one of those hammers and get a higher one if you want it. Or, or if you want to sell your hammer to somebody else, somebody comes along and says, hey, I'll, I'll buy that hammer off you for fucking 20 grand. You've made 20 grand, right? So everybody who buys one, you get all this like different shit. And I'm making all this merch, like these cool t-shirts with the, this wolf symbol. I'll show you the wolf symbol. Just drawing this up right now. This is the first time anybody gets to see that, but that will be the wolf key. That'll be on your fucking exclusive t-shirt. Just threw that up today. And, and they'll have the hammer on the back. And, and my slogan is world domination is the only destination. So it'll have that on it. We're just going to make these really cool fucking, you know, I'm just starting this wolf pack, man, this wolf army where everybody who's, who's in on it, I'm just going to be able to like, just form like a, a, a fucking wolf pack and everybody is going to empower each other and help each other do, make money and do projects and, like with musicians, it's I'm gonna try to help people. So if you if you want to sell your album, you make these certain NFTs where only pe people could only buy the album if they buy your NFT, right? So it's a way for musicians to start making money again, and it's it's gonna be empowering for everybody, dude. Some people are just like, I don't get NFTs. What the fuck is that? It's like you you should learn it. it you find a way to to make your NFTs. Like you could make cool NFTs where. Like you have certain exclusive podcasts with say uh, like your best podcast. You can only watch them if you have the Curious Jones NFT, right? And you make an NFT of this fucking like a monkey who's like, hmm, and he's trying to figure shit out, right? So you get with like an artist who like you could hit up Wes Henry, right? And say, design me the Curious Jones. And like, you should do this, dude. We're coming up with this idea right now. So, so get him to make like this NFT and get it out there and you're affiliated with it. And people are going to, follow you on twitter and you're gonna they're gonna grow your your uh podcast following and your instagram following it's a way for us to all help each other like as you're explaining that before you said you need to do that i was telling myself you need to do that like what yeah i gotta figure out the angle on how i can do this but to your point it's you know right now i take the video clips and only post like small portions of this on youtube and then mm -hmm. Instagram, obviously, as well, too. But I don't leverage Twitter at all. I need to do that. And then um, this NFT thing, I'm like, fuck, I could probably do exclusive content that nobody can see. I could do video content that I won't release anywhere else. I think there's a, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that stuff. And then even back to your point, like tying it into the merch. I'm behind the times. Yeah. I'm usually, this is crazy. I'm, I'm usually on the forefront. And I'm coming on here and you're you're freaking putting me to school man <laughs> well you know people were uh like messaging me going get into nfts i'm like what the fuck is an nft right so i was like i gotta just study this and and what the hell and once i started kind of figuring out what it was and how much money people are making off of it i was like wow i gotta do this and it's i mean it's another full-time job like i'm i have to make vi promo videos for twitter about every one. So, you know, I, I wake up and I, I got to write a description for it and then send that to my, my business manager and like she handles the Twitter and then I make the videos for the Twitter and like make the posts and, you know what I mean? Cause it's just too much social media doing Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I'm gonna fucking be doing that all day. I got to kind of like farm it out to some people and get some help with it. Cause I got to be in the studio too. You know what I mean? I wanted to ask you, I was, 
probably, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching a video that you posted and it was, it kind of blew my mind. I'd never really saw how these paintings came together. I've only, you know I mean? I've seen all the finished products and, you know, you show a lot of the sculptures, but I must've missed, or maybe you hadn't shown a whole lot of it, but you had like a sketch on the canvas and you've got two brushes and you're kind of just like adding paint. And I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, how the fuck does that turn into these amazingly just paintings with so much depth and feeling and, and realism? You know what I mean? It's just, it blew my mind. And I, I would imagine like it's just layer upon layer, but how do you, how do you get from that point? Is it something that you just see? Obviously it's, you just see it and feel it. Right. Cause yeah. I'm like, I would try to go and paint like all the fine details all at once. And it would be so one dimensional and it makes sense, but I wouldn't know how to do like a layered approach, but I guess that's, that's what gives it the, the depth when you look at something like that. Is it? It's that's what gives it the, like the depth of shadows and the, the warmth of the shadows. Cause people, they want to look at, at things in, in like a one dimensional way on a two dimensional surface but you got to think of a painting as a sculpture you got to think of it as a 3d entity right because if it doesn't create that 3d illusion it's not gonna like jump off the page at you right so the first layer is almost like is you know like learning your white belt shit like when you're shrimping and you're fucking doing the the little things with your legs and you're up on the wall doing the hip switches and all that fuck is this why do i gotta do this it's like you're not gonna be able to do any of it if you don't master this you know what i mean because every think of how many times at the higher levels you're just using basic movements like you're just shrimping all the time at the at the higher levels that's just you're a master of fucking shrimping you know so it's it's the same thing of like okay you gotta think from the very first part is, is the most important. And the very first part, you got to do the same as the very last part, but everything is layers. It's just like building your house. You don't see the foundation, but that's the most important part. That's the, the, the time when you got to make sure, all right, I'm, I'm really lining this up for success. And I'm going to make sure, like if you, if you just start painting on a white canvas, there's going to be all these little white spots that you got to constantly put all this fucking paint on. It's going to be an exercise in frustration, right? So it's, I draw something on there and I put a clear coat on it. I let that dry. And then I put the, the, the uh, toning on there. I let that dry. And I put the first layer on there. I let that dry. And then the second layer and the third layer and the fourth layer. And then it, it's just an exercise in patience and like confidence in the process. And then before you know it, fucking details are easy. That's like the easy part. You know, people are like, your artwork's so detailed. It's just like, no, it's really not. It's just, it's built correctly. That's all it is. I'm, I'm building it from, from back here. And it's got to be real because that's the way that I make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just building it up slowly, but that's, that's what you got to do. You got to figure out the process and then trust the process. My Thai boxer, Thai boxing teacher used to say it's a process, not a product, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, it is. Okay. So it's, it's all about, you know, you gotta, if you want to be a good Thai boxer, you gotta fucking jump rope, jumping ropes, fucking boring, but you gotta do it. And running is fucking boring, but you gotta do it. Why? 
it's going to give you springy legs. It's going to make it so you got that, those bouncy fucking fast kicks. And if all you're doing is just sitting there and hammering on the bag and sparring, you're not going to be as fast. And, and it's all about footwork, right? If you have good footwork, you're going to be a way better striker than if you're just, you know, a lot of these guys that oh, I'm going to fucking bench press to no, you should fucking jump rope and run. If you're reasonably strong, as long as you got good footwork and body coordination, you're going to have power. You know, you're not necessarily like power doesn't necessarily equal power. You know, it's more like to me, the, the stance training that they do in, in uh, like traditional martial arts is really important because what happens when you get in a, a street fight, your legs, you know what I mean? They get all shaky, right? So if you have, have stood in your stances long enough and you taught your body, okay, breathe, stand, that's, that's the main thing. And then if you can stand and breathe and move and, and guard and use your instincts, you're going to be okay. But if all that adrenaline goes right to your legs and whoa, you get all wobbly, it's like, you're not going to be able to remember any of this shit anyways. You know, it's all about the basics. We start talking about painting with fucking tie boxing, of course. <laughs> Do you know what those details are when you're starting? Like, do you have an idea of the finished product color and, and all those finer points, or does that really start to come together as you start to see the general concept that you've thought of on the page? To me, man, they're all real people. Like they're, I, I, the way I come up with my art is I, I like go back or forward in time and I meet somebody from, from history, the unknown history. Like right now I'm painting, uh, my next series is going to be like Viking shield maidens, right? Because, uh, you know, I get, I like painting a lot of different styles, but a lot of my galleries are always like, no, I just stick with Andeans. And people go, why do you paint the same shit all the time? It's like, that's what they fucking, that's what they'll hang. That's what sells. You know, they got their horse painter. They got the guy who paints the women. They got, and I'm, the, you know, I'm the fullback. Um, I got fucking do fullback shit. You know what I mean? But I just signed with a new, gallery and they're like no you can fucking play any position you want so i'm like okay what about uh some viking shield name shit are you down with that they're like fuck yeah so now i'm working on this series of of viking shield names and so i'll give her a name and an identity and i know the battle she's fought in i know the the fucking attributes of her axe i know who made her shield i mean it's a whole story to me so the first one is uh ravenheart the wielder of the black axe right and she has this special black axe that was made from like this metal from a meteor. That's the same shit they, they made, they used to make those Ufberg swords, right? Which were like the badass Viking swords back in the day. But she's got this fucking black axe with all these runes all over it. And it's like, it fucking drinks blood and it's just this gnarly weapon. And then she's got this shield that uh, has the, the fucking serpent on it, the serpent that circles the world. And she wears this thing in her hair that's that's like Igrasil, the tree. And then she's got these raven tattoos all over her face. And she actually has a pet raven. And so they call her Ravenheart, right? So the, the whole character is, is already real to me. And she's part of this whole story of all this shit. So every single person that I paint actually exists in, in, in my book of the world. And so it makes it easy for me to, to show it to you because it's somebody I know. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's how, that's why I take CBD oil to sleep at night because I just <laughs> think all that shit, like too many fucking ideas, you know, all the time. So it's it's just my my world, my imagination just works like that. It's already, to me, 
is like it's already there i just i'm like who's that artist i think it was like michelangelo who said that the figures are already in the stone i just release them yeah that's it's it's kind of like that you know if you if you kind of like nurture that your imagination so much it's just gonna grow and grow like you know how I mean, when you train jujitsu a lot, don't isn't it just always going through your mind? Aren't you just always fucking thinking about jujitsu all the time? You know, when I train uh, Thai boxing a lot, uh, I have to sleep with my back to my girlfriend, or I'll punch her at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, because I'll just be laying there like that, and so why you sleep with your back to me? I'm like, trust me, you don't. You know what I mean? And my fists are. If I try to keep my hands open, they'll go into fists. This is only if I'm doing like two a days and shit. You know what I mean? I'm not always on it. Gets, it gets just etched into your mind, you know? Yeah. And so that's how, you know, that's how my art is. It's like a total, just a flood of of imagination and energy. And people are like, you ever worried about, you know, you're not going to come up with any ideas? I'm like, no. I'm only, I just know I can't ever possibly do all the ideas I have because I get more and more every day. It's just, a, it's just a muscle, you know? Have you had any issues with people trying to rip you off? Uh, people fucking rip me off. I don't care if you, if you got an issue with it. If you give a shit, like people, you can go on eBay and buy bootleg Greg Overton shit all day. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't care. Fuck, dude. It's uh, you know, they rip off your style and shit. It's like if a really popular, famous artist does it, uh, that it, like it might piss me off, but I kind of keep it to myself and I just do a badass painting that that like has their fucking scalp in it or their finger cut off. And I just, whatever, like, if it really bugs me, I don't, I won't go sue them. I won't tell them, Hey, I know you're copying me. I'll just, I'll just paint a warrior who beat the fuck out of the guy they painted, <laughs> you know? And I take it as a compliment too. I'm like, they're copying me, you know, cause they like me. It's, that's all it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like inevitable, dude. I mean, when I, you know, when you're in a band, if you love a band, you're like, let's, let's fucking play like corrosion of conformity. Holy shit. Let's, you know what I mean? It's like corrosion shouldn't be pissed at you when they hear a little bit of your sound. Like uh, Metallica, you know, for their first album, first couple albums would copy Motorhead, mm-hmm. right? They, they want to be Motorhead, but then they eventually become Metallica. And you can hear with like Testament how they, they totally take a lot from Metallica, but then they become more like Testament which I, I love Testament. I think that's such a badass fan. I think they took like the people who don't know Testament. If you love old Metallica, go listen to some Testament because when Metallica changed, Testament fucking came along and said, okay, this is what was cool about old Metallica. I mean, I like their old shit and their new shit. I've met those guys a few times and uh, like got to load equipment for them one time. And yeah, they're cool dudes, man. Yeah, Metallica's that they've always, they've transcended. I can't say I've listened to a whole lot of their new stuff. But I mean, I give, hey man, you're out rocking at that age. They're yeah. Creating good music. You know, it's, they'll always, the, you, we talked about it earlier. The, the music kind of has this, for me, every song that I hear for the most, like older stuff, I can put myself, whether it's like, man, that takes me back to, you know, riding to the park with my dad for a baseball game, or this takes me back to, you know, sitting in the living room while my mom was cranking that on the radio. Like it's just, it's, it's tied to memories for me. Music is one of those things that I, I'll never be able to escape. You know, yeah, I'd rather give up my, never want to. 
No. Like God. through the the my Metallica memories, I remember you know I, I hung out with this this group of of punk rockers, and we we kind of like weren't really that into metal at the time. But then Metallica comes along, and I remember just riding around all summer in my friend's Jeep with that cassette, just over and over till the fucking ink got worn off of it, just being like master, master. You know what I mean? Just rocking that album for like weeks and months at a time and then everybody else who'd hang out with would have their same Metallica cassette with all the ink worn off of it and like what a fucking classic album dude I just I, and I still like I have that CD and I still fucking listen to CDs <laughs> still that CD in my car and still play that and like um, old Pantera Cowboys from Hell oh, yeah. I like their old stuff better I don't really like how like Phil got so egotistical and like once they did all that, you talking to me. Nah, I didn't really get into that shit. You know, I'm like, nah, stick with the fucking, you know, the primal concrete slaves. That shit's cooler. You know, so I love that first album. Most you definitely. know, fucking dime back Daryl, man. Sad what happened to him and Vinnie Paul. Yeah, dude, it's crazy to think Vinnie Paul passed away too. I I did my yeah, senior, my senior project in high school. I did a video project, um, uh, go figure on who I considered the most influential guitarists at the time. And it was like, I did like a, it was basically like a video biography on different guitar players. So I touched like Hendrix slash, um, which is, you know, probably overrated for a lot of people, but he's just, he's the guy for me. And then well, Guns uh, N' Roses, fuck dude, they did a lot that, that appetite album. I mean, they, I think uh, they fucking drank their own Kool-Aid with all the use your illusion and all that shit, you know, but dude, get that fucking famous when you're that young and see what the fuck happens to you, you know? I mean, Axl Rose transformed and tweaked out for a reason. That's just, that's a lot to handle. You can't judge people like that. You know what I mean? Especially at the like time. That, there wasn't yeah. a lot of people. I mean, dude, even like, I mean, think about this shit, right? 1960s the 50 like before the beatles there weren't a lot of famous celebrities like it's 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 kind of like you had like one or two people now mm-hmm. i fucking see I, there's these two dudes <laughs> that keep popping up all over my instagram i don't know what i did to deserve these guys popping up the the island boys have you seen these two goons so they're uh-huh. <laughs> be thankful watch it's going to start popping up because I said it out loud and technology's freaky as shit. And it's going to like, hear oh, me saying, now my fucking smartphone's onto it. Right. <laughs> but I mean, these guys are like this new hot thing in, in rap music. And I'm like, maybe I'm just that older dude that doesn't get it, but I'm yeah. like, how are these guys celebrities? And then it's like you turn everywhere you turn, everybody's a celebrity, but it's famous for being famous, dude. Yeah, like uh, Kardashians started that shit. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, "Fuck it. talent, content, ability, fuck that." It's just likes. That's all you need is likes. And you can't even hate on that. It's like if you suck and you're still popular, fuck. At least you don't suck at being popular. You know? I mean, there's always somebody like that in school who's like, "That motherfucker can't do shit," but everybody likes him. So I mean. I, I try not to hate on people because I'm just like, you know, that if I'm hating on them, that means I'm judging something. And, you know, so many people are out there judging me. It's like, ah, oh, what the fuck, man? Like, whatever, dude. That's just, that's how everybody's collective consciousness is, just giving attention to whatever. Maybe that means 
like we as a species are becoming less selective with our attention you know maybe that's the real problem it's like you know because think about it like every day you have so much information coming at you from everywhere you know what i mean and i think about it like fuck back in the 90s dude you didn't have the option to be so distracted you know it was like i i wake up and god nobody fuck, there's no nothing on my call id what do i got to do today fucking have the day off i guess i'm going to a jujitsu class and your mind could just be so much more simple and serene and it's like okay we have all this technology and stuff but is it really benefiting us i mean you gotta fucking limit that shit a little bit because it can it can overwhelm you i read this book uh by robert anton wilson prometheus rising you've ever heard of him i have i've never read that but i've heard a couple people have brought that book up to me so i'm, I'm rad book you gotta read that it's a fucking life-changing book but he he uh kind of states this this concept of wealth versus ill right well and ill so wealth is like, and I, I read it, it was a long time ago, but what I remember about it was like, if you have a bunch of stuff or knowledge or money or whatever, and it's benefiting you, it's wealth. If you have a bunch of money and uh, knowledge and, and all this access to all these different things, but it's, it's kind of corroding you and corrupting you, then it's ill, right? And Lao Tzu, who, the guy who wrote Tao Te Ching, or the guys who wrote Tao Te Ching, whatever, there's a line in the Tao Te Ching that says success is as dangerous as failure. And right, if you're broke, you're going, how the fuck is that true? Uh, how could that be true? It's like, well, because you can't afford to buy a lot of cocaine and hookers. That's why <laughs> and if you're successful, you might just fucking die. So that's why, like, you know, Guns and Roses, you kind of got to go, hey, Izzy's not a douchebag. Axl Rose is not a fucking egomaniac. It's just that's ill. You know, and, and Slash is the only one who just kind of went, all right. Because you can see Slash stayed exactly the same. He doesn't even look like he aged a day. Like, what the fuck is Slash doing? I think he thought of himself as famous already. Before he loved Slash, motherfucker. Guns and Roses who? You know? So I think someone like that is like, they're balancing the wealth with the ills. And that dude probably saved his money and probably, you know, didn't like become so distracted and fucked. 5,000 different chicks and catch 5,000 different forms of herpes. You know what I mean? So it's all about like, okay, you know, I have all this access to all this, all this shit. Like me, myself, I mean, I have more money now than I've ever had. I don't fucking spend it at all. I don't, these are the same fucking clothes I had before I got this shit. I put it all in the bank and I, I, you know, I benefit my kids and my grandkids and you know what I mean? I'll, I'll get a new fucking snowboard, but I'm, I'm using that money to, to like, just do good in the world and, and keep doing good art, but I'm not going to let it go to my head. And I, I damn sure ain't buying a fucking big bag of cocaine. And you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's just a little bag of cocaine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's all about just, just handling your shit, you know, cause you can like, you can get fucked up by being poor. You get just as fucked up by being rich. You know, you can, get, you can feel like I'm a nobody. Nobody knows who I am. But you can also, you know, you can put a big fucking foot in your mouth if everybody's listening to you, you know. So I think people have found that out the hard way. Yeah, for sure, man. Just like don't fucking make a tweet video first thing in the morning. The, the Native Americans will tell you that like 
don't talk in the morning because your brain ain't really ain't really going just kind of have a little bit of like, a couple hours of silence the, the navajos say you know in the morning go out and go for a run you know get some sun in your eyes and and you know i love those cultures i don't just paint them i i absorb the knowledge of the cultures i go down to the navajo nation and and meet with people i go up to south dakota and and get these stories from the lakotas themselves and and really learn about their their amazing culture you know as uh, my daughter was over here earlier today and and we were talking about just people's karma and shit how sometimes when people fall down you can't pick them up or they won't learn their lesson it's like this fine line where you, you kind of just have to feel it out like give people the the help that they're willing to take but don't try to don't try to force it on them you know don't try to force them to change if they're not ready right and so uh i was up there and i camped out for a few days with this lakota family and made really good friends with all of them i was sitting there with my friend john we were sitting on a log and his little boy who's about two years old is playing horsey on the on the log and it's probably i don't know like two or three feet off the ground this is like a two-year-old kid and all of a sudden he just goes Flap! and falls right on his head on the dirt and you know i have kids so i'm oh, and i go over there to grab him. my friend goes Flap! and he doesn't even say anything he just kind of shakes his head because he doesn't want the kid to get the idea like oh you're hurt you should cry you know what i mean and so the kid kind of dusts himself off, jumps right back on the log because nobody's giving a shit. He just starts playing horsey again, right? He doesn't seem to like sort of look for the pity and all that. And, and then he just says, we don't really do that with our kids. We're trying to raise them to be tough, right? And then uh, like later we, I was in my, we went up to this mountain and, and like smoked a bunch of weed and stuff and then came down and they let me ride one of their horses down. And uh and I got in my car and we were going to ride back to camp. And I was like, let's race back to camp. I'll race you guys. And I had to go around on this dirt road and they were riding across a, like a field, him and his brother. And so I race around, I try to get back there fast, but John beat me back to the camp. And I was like, where's fish? And he's like, you fucking wrecked. He got fucked up. He fell off his horse because they're riding bareback. Right. And I was like, oh shit, is he okay? He's like, what did I tell you? I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. It's like, don't let him know that, you, that he's hurt. And he's fucked up. Like, I think he had a rib broken or something because you could see he was hurt. He just rides back and has that, that like, just pride that you associate with the Native Americans. So that's part of their culture. Back in the day, they would say, you, if you want to uh, kill a Native American warrior, you'd have to shoot him in the head to knock him off his horse. Because if you hit him anywhere on the body, he'll just stay on the horse. He'll just absorb the bullet and... They have such a high pain tolerance because that's the way they uh, they grow up. It's not like you're you're kind of oh shit I got hurt you know what I mean. It's like a mental thing. You're just kind of building up that physical uh, endurance so you don't kind of you, you're not you're not so hurt by pain. I guess you know what I mean. It's it's a culture that it's a shame we've done what we've done as Americans and just the history of this country, because there's so many amazing things that, you know, I think so few people even realize, right. It's, I don't know how much of it's even taught in schools anymore. I wasn't a whole lot of it when I went through, it's been a while. And I, they don't, they don't want to teach it, dude. It's just like, you know, they, they want to gloss over it, the fucking genocide and the, I mean, it was purposeful that they wiped out their food sources and their culture and their language 
and and everything and it just kind of speaks to how badass they really are that they even survived any of that shit you touched on something too though you mentioned the um the genocide and i saw you had worn i didn't realize the orange shirt was a, a symbolic um kind of aspect to the what was going on with all of those youth were they like schools or some sort and yeah you ever heard about that about yeah. the boarding schools and shit yeah so was that okay just this, is, this is part of, of how they tried to destroy the native american culture right there was there's all these different levels to the indian wars people they don't really realize the indian wars were fucking extensive and waged on a whole bunch of different fronts and the first way that they they took out the indians was to destroy the buffalo because they were such a mobile force that you really couldn't find them they were so much better with the land. They'd been on it for, you know, thousands of years. So they knew every little nook and cranny. They knew where to find water. They knew where to find game. And as long as there were buffalo, there's no way you're going to contain these people. So they eventually figured out, well, we just kill all the fucking buffaloes. So they, they went and they killed all the buffalo, like millions of them, dude. They would just go out on uh, train on, on trains on the, on the railroad and just fucking kill them like with these 50 caliber guns and they just hire a whole bunch of people and you get a certain amount of money for however many buffalo you killed and there's just mountains of buffalo they did the same thing with their horses they just decided to slaughter all the animals right and that's what finally made it so they had to surrender because they didn't have that food source they could have never defeated them if they wouldn't if they wouldn't have kind of just decimated the wildlife right and that you know what the dust bowl was wasn't that like the the middle of America where like all the farmland and there was was it some sort of long drought throughout the certain time period or is that just like the that have nothing to do with it it just has to do with like the Great Plains it's all really tied into the buffalo the buffalo would go around and they would eat this certain type of grass and they would shit everywhere so it would come back up and hold the water in the land so it wouldn't just go right into the streams and and leave the land so all the land became really dry and then they said okay everyone can go out and get these homesteads and you there's this huge land rush to go take all the native americans land and what happened was they went out there and all the they just didn't know back back in those days like how ecology really works like when they took away the wolves all the other the prey animals just became so prevalent we have to go out and hunt them now you know what i mean but back then Everything was imbalanced, dude. And the natives understood this. They would do controlled burns too in California. That's why we get the fucking wildfires. They didn't used to have that because the natives would travel all around and they were, it was a, an ancient tradition where they burned certain areas as they traveled. And they're like, they're fucking nomads and stuff. No, man, this is how they manage the fucking land. Okay. Like it was, it's an ancient thing that, that we just didn't have the minds to understand. Like they were a lot fucking smarter than we gave them credit for. Really. And so uh, the buffalo all got wiped out and then they put them on reservations and then it took 20 years for the, the land to change. And then all of a sudden it's just dust storms everywhere, right? And, and they're like, oh, it's God's wrath or whatever. Like, no, you guys killed the fucking buffalo. And so it took years and years where they had to create all this uh, like irrigation and all these different systems to kind of uh, reinvigorate the land. But if, you know, if they would have just left the buffalo alone, dude, our country would be a lot healthier. If they would have let the, the natives still keep their land and manage it the way they used to, you wouldn't have those gnarly wildfires 
and stuff that you get in California every year. Like they knew what the fuck they were doing. They were part of the land. So it was, I mean, it's just, it's fucking sad, dude. Even like uh, the, the Aztecs and the Mayans had these crazy records of, of astronomy going back like hundreds and even thousands of years. And there were scientists. And we just went in there, the, the conquistadors went in there and they're like, what is this, Satanism? They burned all their shit. I was like, no, they're fucking, they're advanced astronomers, you guys. And they had these, these reflecting pools, right? That you would, you would look at the stars in the reflecting pools and track the, the motion of all the, of all the planets and everything. Like they were much more advanced than, than we even gave them credit for and probably more advanced in a lot of ways than we can even fucking figure out now, you know? And that's why, you know, I, I consider it like an important thing. And, you know, I have fucking dumbass people going, why are you appropriating the native culture? I'm just like, fuck you, you don't get what I'm doing. You know, like, why are you appropriating the, the dumbass culture? You're fucking being a dumbass, come on. I'm not appropriating anything. I'm trying to honor it and bring attention to it and let you guys see how fucking cool it is. And I'm trying to paint these, these, these people as superhuman because that's what they were. Like, if you... If you grew up in the native culture, right? They don't spank or reprimand their kids until after the age of seven. And they're finding out now that's how like your whole DNA develops. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't hear the word no, you shouldn't be physically hit. You're, and they did that because they wanted to, to integrate these people so they'd be powerful warriors, so they'd be confident leaders because they needed them to be good members of the tribe. You know what I mean? And the, since their culture is decimated, now you have all these kids who want to kill themselves because it's like they have no ground to stand on. And in our society, it's just like they, they put you in these institutions and they, they don't try to teach you to be an individual. They teach you to be a fucking cog in a machine. Right. And so that's what attracts people to my art is it's like, OK, it's, this is something that you've lost your spiritual nature, your mental capacity, your fucking your your physical expression. I want to teach you guys who the fuck you really are because all that stuff you you learn in school is a lie man that was all to take your personal power from you and i want you to fucking take it back that's what my art is, is all about so anybody who gets that you know they 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 sense it on a subconscious level and they're like fuck i love this art it feels empowering i want it in my house i'm like well i know why i know why because i'm trying to 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 help you find your your spirit again because if your mind is weak and your body is scared, your spirit just floats away from you because your spirit's so pure, it doesn't want to see you suffer, right? And so that's where people get those black eyes and shit and you just be like, the lights are on, nobody's home. It's because their mind is full of garbage and their body's full of poison and your fucking higher self doesn't want nothing to do with that. So you have to cleanse out your mind. You have to cleanse out your body. That's why they do those sweat rituals and stuff. Like, that's why, you know, physical exercise is so important. After you train jujitsu with the gi, how much you sweat, don't you feel like it just, you release all your bad energy oh, from heck. doing that? Don't you just feel all clean and shit? Yeah. When you get done, you feel like I'm stronger <laughs> mentally. I'm, my spirit is here. I'm one, you know? And that's who we really are, you know? And our fucking government and our, like the religions and everything, they, they took what, you know, a really enlightened higher being said, and they're like, oh, shit, we can take this and manipulate people because they don't know how to fucking read. And they're like, oh, you can't do any 
uh, affirmations, that's sorcery, it's witchcraft. And so they, they were just trying to say, we're the only ones who can empower you. God's over here and he only speaks through me. And it's like, oh, he does, oh, fuck. And that's what, that's what the fucking government's trying to do right now with all the COVID shit. It's like, well, the, the devil COVID will get you unless you take my divine protection and, and you guys should all fight each other over this shit. And it's like, you guys, let me tell you something. The oldest technique in psychological warfare that they talk about in, in like the histories of ninjutsu and stuff is like, okay, you have two enemies. Don't fight either one of them. Talk shit about one to the other. You're, this guy said your mom is fat. This guy said your daddy's a fucking drunken bum. And then you watch them kill each other and then you take their shit when they're dead. That's what they're doing to us. It's like they don't, the system doesn't give a fuck about liberal or Republican. Those are just fucking lies that they, they put on us and we're like, oh, I gotta be one of these, da, 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 da. okay, which one should I wear? Should I wear a red shirt or a blue shirt? It's like, they're making you join the fucking Crips or Bloods. And they only want you to fucking kill each other. So half of your dead and they can put the rest in fucking prison and, and take all your shit. Dumbass, like what the fuck, man? Everybody, come on, let's, let's fucking get together and, and be Americans again. And let's also Americans, let's, Let's be at peace with everybody. Let's fucking try to make world peace actually happen because that shit, it, it can happen. And it happens one person to another going, Hey, I, you're, you're whatever label you are. I don't fucking hate you for anything. I don't care if you, even if you hate me, I'm not going to hate you back because I know there's just a bunch of the, the only people that you should hate or pity or fear or whatever are, are the really insidious ones who are behind this. And there's only very fucking few of them. And there's a whole fucking lot of us. Remember that movie Bugs Life? <laughs> yeah, dude. Grasshoppers, how they're in the bar. They're like, if they ever figure out there's more of them than there are of us, we're fucked. So they have to keep giving us reasons to hate each other. It's like, oh, all these Trump-loving motherfuckers, all these Biden-loving commies, it's like, no, dude, there's every Biden uh, person I talk to is like, oh, QAnon, and they're all Nazis. I'm like, do you know how many people are actually like that? Fucking probably 0.1% of all the people who identify themselves as Republican. Do you know how many people really want communism? Not fucking many of them, but they're all over here going, he said your mom is a whore. He said your daddy's a drunken bum. And it's like, y'all are that easy to fucking fool. Y'all need to put down your fucking cell phones and read a book. Like, for fuck's sake, come on. Can't you smell bullshit? It's right under your nose. Wake up. Comes full circle, right? Because, I mean, and it's, I've had this, it comes up almost every single time, and it's probably because I meet so many of the guests via social media. Like, I wouldn't know you if I didn't, you know, find your art via Rogan's podcast, and then you have this Instagram page where you're able to connect. That to me is so powerful. You said earlier how you have people that reach out to you and share stories about things and it's only possible because of all of this, but everything yeah. you just laid out, it's all only possible right now because of these tools that we get so much benefit from, but I'm like, people used to be happy. So, yeah. so it's not impossible to think that without all of this shit that we could be happy, you know? And I, I'm like, yeah, I guess you people also used to be unhappy, but like, I don't know if this 
at the end of the day, we're getting to a place where I'm starting to consider it not worth all the benefits sometimes. And we don't have anybody that really like, who's our panel of people, you know, like I, I don't remember voting on getting these things. They just fucking kind of showed up. And now, unless you have one, you're kind of at a disadvantage, you know? And so we should have some sort of counsel, you know, Hey, um, we're thinking about wiring people's brains with Neuralink so that you guys can just, you know, talk to each other without making noises. I heard something earlier today where you're going to be able to stream music into your Neuralink. So you'll be able to like sit at work and listen to tunes without headphones in. And it's like bad news for the stereo makers. Right. (laughs) Right. Like you're not going to need a fucking canvas to do art. What the fuck, man? I mean, I need no platforms for nothing, but dude, I mean, the truth is, I mean, I think the people who are going to want to go for that shit are going to go for it and they're going to have their own fucking little brain cancers going on too. Like remember that movie, the jerk, how he, he had those, those glasses where you take them off right here and they ended up making everybody go cross-eyed no, and shit. It's it. like, okay, at it's, it's just this, this funny thing where he gets rich and he, he makes this invention where you take your glasses off like this and everybody buys them and be, he becomes super rich. And then they find out it makes everybody go cross-eyed. So everybody sues him. He has to get back all the money and shit, but it's just like, I mean, dude, same thing with cell phones. I mean, I used to work for OSHA and a lot of people don't, don't know about like extremely low frequency radiation and shit. It's like there's wealth and there's ill. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of like, I have a lot of faith in just human evolution and its whole process. And I'm kind of like, man, it's all going to work itself out. And that the, the dumb people who are fucking probably going to walk around and die in traffic 20 years ago, they're going to die from this shit now. You know what I mean? Like stupid people just fucking die off, man. It's survival of the fittest, the strongest, the smartest. Those are the ones who get to, to procreate and reproduce and everything. And like the, the, the human species itself is, is fucking stronger than all this shit. And it's just because it's such a new thing. It trips us out. It scares us. Just how I was like, well, fuck. Remember when you were a little kid, they said, don't sit too close. Oh, we lost them shit oh i've had some bad luck these last couple of episodes with people's phones dying but um that's on me i gotta do a better job